Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you today for the opportunity to hear your word and to share your word today. We thank you, Lord, as we share this word, that, Lord, that you would anoint it and that you would anoint the words going forth and you would anoint the ears to hear. Father, I pray that we would hear and we would listen. Father, I pray that our attention would be such that, Lord, I got to hear this. Because, Lord, we want to hear the word the way that you say the word. Hallelujah. Not nonchalant. But, Lord God, you say it with power and authority. And that's the way we want to receive it today. So we thank you and praise you, Lord. And bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I titled the message, God Changes Us. Amen. God changes us. You know, in our walk with God, it's it, we're always or hopefully always in a learning place, a learning process that God wants to teach us. Aren't you glad walking with God never has to be boring? Knowing God never has to be boring. No matter how many times you read a scripture or these scriptures, man, there's always something in there from God. God can take, just breathe on one verse, and man, we can hear that for a long time as he just continues to breathe on it because his word is so powerful. But he's always teaching us and trying to get us to learn how to trust him more and more. Amen? And, you know, we can say we trust our God. But, you know, trust is something that comes in layers. Okay? You trust is something that comes in layers. We're learning to trust the Lord. Okay? And, um, but, you know, but it's a good thing um, because God is doing something wonderful in our lives always as we're learning to trust him wherever we are. You know, if I, you know, if every one of us here is probably in a different place of our faith or our trust with God. And they're all good. They're all good because we're all learning. Um, but he wants to teach us to trust him more. See, a lot of times we can trust ourselves. And I know God dealing with me recently uh, about prayer. And, you know, and I pray for people. And sometimes, you know, um, you know, I pray for someone and they raise from the dead. No, I guess I have not seen that yet. But, no, I pray for somebody and, and, and God answers the prayer. And then I pray another time and I, and I, nothing, and I don't see nothing happen. And I'm, what I'm learning is, you know, because we're learning, we're always learning. Is and I've, or I should say, one thing I've I, I've noticed recently about that is that second prayer is kind of you know because I'm remembrance because I think about why why this not that, and I I'm, I'm realizing I'm going in that second one and praying, and and I get, you know in my mind I'm expecting, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But I just got, I got this feeling, I got, you know what I mean? It's, it's going to happen. And you can say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, in itself, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I've, I, I think I'm learning, I think the Lord's trying to teach me is, 
Am I putting faith in my faith instead of faith in God, trusting in God? For those other times, they may pray, you know, and uh, and um, <laughs> funny story here. Um, I think I'm, I don't know if it's, yeah, I shared it before, but uh, a guy, I, I was down someplace and this guy was in there and he's telling about his, his dog. He knows I'm a pastor and he's, you know, he, he's not quite, you know, he's a pretty rough guy. But he, he, we had a good relationship. And he's, you know, talking about his dog. Can't, won't stop throwing. It's a new, basically a new dog. He, and he has a couple other dogs. But this dog keeps throwing up and keeps pooping and just out of control. And, you know, he said to me, he says, listen, if God would stop that dog from doing that, I'd come to church and sit in the front row. And so, so I kind of smiled. And I was sitting there. And right there where I was at, I just did a little prayer. I said, Lord, just move in that dog. You know, it was a very short prayer. And then I said to him, I said, uh, I'll say, okay, I prayed. And he says, I thought you would. And then all of a sudden, a little while later, he's talking to his wife and his wife. And, and he said, you know, the dog stopped doing it. Yeah, I already said that. <laughs> See, sometimes we, some, sometimes people show their hearts who are really listening, you know. But any, you know, <laughs> no. But anyways, so he, anyways, I heard that, and I said, "Oh, that's interesting." I <laughs> saying to myself. Then I saw him the next time. He say nothing to me, and then I saw him the next time, and he says, "Well, I'm glad that uh, I didn't give a time limit." Uh, when I would do that. And, you know, um, but anyways, I didn't care about that because I was just glad that God was able to show him his power. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, uh, so, I mean, I could pray for a dog, for God to do miracles, but then I pray for someone else and nothing happens. I don't understand at all. It's just, just a kind of a funny story. But, but the reality is, is a, I don't want faith and faith, my faith and my faith. Because see, one thing we're learning, and it's always got to be Christ centered in no matter what we're doing. It's all about Him. And you know, it's so easy. It's so easy. You know, they get off kilter just a little bit. You know, I think, you know, just takes to be off a little bit. I remember the Sonship Movement. You know, the Sonship Movement was a movement, a real movement, where there was a great emphasis on, you know, God's sons and, you know, et cetera, and all that he's done, et cetera, et cetera. But one thing I noticed, you could see it shifting too much to on the sons and not the sun. Do you understand what I'm saying? In anything, we got to be careful because it's so easy to get out of that center of keeping it all about Jesus, about his blood, all about what he did. The centrality of the cross is so very important. But we want to trust in God. Another thing is we're learning is trusting that he's doing the work in us, not ourselves. And, you know, you could say, yeah, I know that, okay? But how many times do we forget that and we start trying to make changes in our own life and then causing frustration? 
instead of, you know, having that pure trust, that simple faith in God that he's the one that's changing us. And that's very important. Um, A lot of times I was thinking about this. You know, you can look at a cup that's halfway up with water, right? And you can look at it two ways. You can look at that cup half empty, or you can look at that cup half full, right? And you say, well, what's the difference? Well, it's all the way we're seeing it, okay? Uh, You can look at your spouse half empty, you know what I mean? I mean? When you look at something half empty, that means there's something half missing. You know what I mean? Or we could look at our spouses half full, right? And it could be with any relationship, uh, how we look at that person. Are we looking at a cup half full or a cup half empty? You know, that's why it's so important that we be a people of optimism, to be, be a people that always looking for the positive, always looking at the good in one another. It's good not to judge one another. Bible says it's, you know, that he that is spiritual judges all things, but not judges all people. You know, if we, you know, if we would stop looking and stop seeing things, that cup half empty, and just see the Christ in every one of us. Just imagine what kind of love that could be manifested. But you know, also I was really thinking about this recently. And um, how that we can look at our own lives as half empty. Or we can look at our lives half full. And that's very important. Probably more important than all the other things. Because when we look at our lives as half full, we, what happens, it causes frustration, discouragement, etc. When we look at our lives as, as half empty, we're looking at the lack in our life. And I was thinking about recently, I said, man, that's me. I do that. I look at, my, I look at where I lack. I see that half cup, half empty. But then I realize I don't have to look at my life that way. And then I began to think about, I began to think about my life, you know, and I could sit here and name my things I'm still struggling with, you know. But I, I, now as I, when I stand here and I look at my life and I look about where I was 42 years ago, whenever it was, when I came to Jesus, when I look at what I had back then and when I look at what I have today, you know, it's, 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 it's a miles away. I mean, back then before Christ, I had no life. I was empty. But now I have the Lord. I'm not in darkness, but I'm in the light. And you know, and, and the Lord just taught me something in those, that little thought recently. Man, how much happier I could be if I stopped looking at that. Because when you look at the cup half empty, you look at your life and you're lacking, you begin to complain to yourself. You begin to, like I said, get frustrated. 
But when we begin to look at, look what the Lord had done. And then we begin to thank God. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for what I got in my life. Instead of me thinking about the things that I'm trying, want to overcome, I want to see freedom in. And there is things. You don't believe me? Ask my wife. No, But there's things that God needs to work on. But you know what? God showed me something there. Just a very simple thing about the cup half empty or half full. And uh, and now, you know what I mean? I'm just looking at my life now and saying, forget about it. I'm so thankful. You know what I mean? Yes, I want to be changed. 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 But I'm, I'm going to just thank God for what I have. Thank for God where he's brought me. Because it's a lot better than when I first began. And But, you know, it's very important. So when you want to begin to look at some frustration in your life or some area, just turn that around. Just turn it around and say, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for eternal life that you've given me. I thank you. I thank you. We know this powerful in praise and thanksgiving isn't there. There's this power in that. Amen. And so it's very important that we we don't see ourselves half full, but we see and rejoice. Amen. But you know it's important what we're looking at. I talked about a little bit about that last week and Celeste the week before about what we're seeing. Um but we need to focus on how um, how we can be changed, too. How we can be changed. We need to be focusing on, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying he had to focus on your negative. I'm not saying that again. But, but God wants to show us how we can be changed. Okay, because one of the things I just mentioned is about trusting in our own selves. Trusting in ourselves for our change. Okay, we got to get out of the way. God removed the law. Okay, God removed the law because the Bible said the law frustrates grace. You know, He's trying to. God's trying to get us out of get get us out of that negativity, and to see His goodness, and to see that He can do it. In Philippians one six is a scripture that I've been looking at a lot, had it memorized for years. Um. But looking at it again, as far as thinking about um, God working in our lives, about trusting ourselves or trusting in God, Paul said, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. The Bible Amplified says, Paul says, I'm convinced of this very thing. The message translation says, there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day of Christ Jesus appears. He, God, would do a good work in us. Sometimes we forget about that, that it's God that's working in us, that God wants to work in us. You know, a lot of times we we, we frustrate what God's trying to do in, in our lives when we get in the way. When we get in the way, God backs up. When we back up and let God work, then God moves. 
And we've got to learn to get out of the way and let God do it. It's that word, perform. He, you know, he that's began a good work and you will perfect it or perform it. That word perform means to complete, to accomplish. The New American Standard says perfect. Vine says to accomplish perfectly. God will, God can and will finish the job. You know, he's, God's not like us. I don't know if you're ever like me, starting a job and not getting it done. I'd like a nickel today from each one of you for every book I started that I didn't finish. Okay? Because I started a lot of books. And if it doesn't keep my interest, I don't finish that book. But you know, God is not like us. God makes, says emphatically. It's like Paul says. You know what I mean? He doesn't say that passively. He says, I'm convinced, I'm confident that God who began the work in you, he will perform it. God will perform it. If we could just stop and just begin to meditate on what God, on that truth there, that God will do the work and stop trying to make the change in yourself, but go back and, and begin to trust God what he says. See, a lot of times we don't see things happening because we don't, we don't take God like God gives his word or we don't take him at his word. You know, like I said before, God does not passively say something. It'd be just like God would stand there being confident of this very thing, Audrey, that he which had begun a good work in you, he will accomplish it until the day of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ stood here right now, or Paul will say, because he's the one who wrote it, and put his finger at you and said that, man, all of a sudden, whoa, wow, I guess it's true. I guess it's true because Paul said it. Well, he said it 2,000 years ago. But that's the way that God says it. But that's the way we're to accept his word. Just like that. That's what faith is, is when we accept his word and believe his word the way he says his word, that's where faith. That's why the Bible says, if to agree as touching anything, if we could agree just like Paul said that, Bible says it shall be done for us. That's why the Bible is so precious. Because, boy, we got so many precious promises. These precious promises are given to us so that we got something that we can come in agreement with God that we can see manifested in our life. But a lot of times we don't do that. Oh, yes, I'm familiar. I've read that before. But have I really read it? Have I I allowed that thing to get engrafted within my heart? Has this thing become more real to me? Has it become more than in my head, but come down into my heart? And remember, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Not as a man thinks in his head, but as a man thinks in his heart. Our, our, when we think from our mind, it can be a very shallow spot. But when it gets into our heart, it's deep in there. That's why we're so affected by it. A person's going to act the way he thinks in his heart. But just, boy, just imagine when we get God's word in our heart, what can happen in our lives. We can have that amazing, uh, uh, amazing um, experience. 
going to do a little skipping space here. Um, in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, Paul writes, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. The Amplified says, for verse 12, Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I'm absent, work out, cultivate, Carry out to the goal and fully complete your own salvation. Okay? This is how he says, you work out your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling, self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, uh, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. When I kind of look at these things, how do you work out the salvation? And we understand, we talked about this a lot, work out that salvation. You mean we got to work out the work for the salvation? Or the, no, we don't work for the salvation. It's through Jesus we are saved. But see, he says, he says work it out because when we know that man's a spirit and man has a soul. And this soul lives in a body. But who we really are is the one the Bible says that we're made in the image and that we are a spirit. We're not a soul. We're not a body. Okay, that's why when we die, the Bible says we're absent from the body, present with the Lord. When we die, we're still alive. Jesus said, if you believe me, you'll never, you'll never see death. If a, man, if a man keeps my sayings, he'll never see death. Why? Well, I see the dead body. We've been to many funerals. We see the dead body. No, we're not dead. We're not dead because we're a spirit. That's why Jesus could say that. We're not dead. Because when our bodies, when, I, when I, we start breathing, we just get moved up to another dimension. Okay, um, but so, it, you know, it's our spirit, man. It's just like when we got saved, like Paul uses the term, he that is joined to the Lord, and we get joined to the Lord when we receive him. When we, you know, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Okay, doesn't say everybody, but he says whoever is joined to the Lord is one spirit. That, see, that's what gets saved is our spirit, who we are. And that became real. And that darkness left us. And light came to us. We're no longer in darkness, but in the light. But then, but, but Paul's talking about you now move. Let, because see, if you never did nothing else with your life, you never did nothing, you'd never come to church, you'd never read the Bible, you would never pray, you'd never talk to someone about Jesus, you'd probably never change one iota. You'd walk around, and the Lord would be in you. Because you invited them in, but there wouldn't be much change in the life. But the, but that but that life is inside of us because the Lord joined to our spirit. But Paul said, "Now listen, you know something amazing happened. God joined Himself to your spirit. Now allow that to be worked out, okay? Because it's not enough to just to be in my spirit; it needs to get in my thinking." 
Okay, it needs to get into my thinking. Okay, so work that out from your spirit to your soul and out to your body. But he says, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation. See, so we're not trying to get salvation or earn it or anything else. It's something that happened. He said, um, he says, and I look at this as more of an attitude to be in. Not that we, not that Paul says that we can change ourselves. He's not saying that. But I believe he's saying have this attitude. Uh, work out your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling, self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. So it's not us changing ourselves or working out our salvation, okay? Okay, it's not doing it, but getting in that attitude. You know why I know that? Because if you look at the next verse, you know, and Paul says in the Amplified, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. In other words, you know, get in that attitude. Get Just get in that attitude. But look, get in that attitude of reverence and awe and all that before God. But recognizing that as God is, is the one that changes us. God is the one who energizes our spirit. It's not supposed to be a hard thing, okay? Because it's not a hard thing when we let God do it. I don't mean we, we don't have trials and testings. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes things can be difficult. But as far as God moving in our life, it shouldn't be a hard thing. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, Paul says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, Above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, okay? Now unto him who is able. Not unto us, but unto him who is able to do far above, okay? Abundantly above, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask and think. How does he do it? How we energize it's by knowing his love. It always comes back to, to knowing his love, his love for us. We can never love until we know his love for us. The more that we know how much that we are loved, that we're loved with an everlasting love, that we're loved with an unconditional love. You know, we're his children, good, bad, or ugly. We're his children. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Okay? That, that's a God who loves us. I know sometimes we may f- feel far from him. Sometimes we may feel worthy. But it doesn't say worthy is the Steve. No, it says worthy is the lamb. See, it's God's worthiness. Oh, God sees Jesus. He made us worthy. He's made us all things. He gave us the gift of righteousness. He gave us the gift of being right with him. If he gave me a gift of righteousness, right? He was made for sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. It's a gift of righteousness, Paul 
says in another place, that's where right with him. Not based on what I do, but based on what Jesus did. Amen. And why does God do? Does that mean I'm going to run out and just do anything I want? No, he came to save us from our sin. But he also came to save us and said, look, I'm going to give you the gift of righteousness because I don't want every day you to be thinking, am I good enough today? Or he loves me, he loves me not. You know what I mean? No, it's an everlasting love that he has upon us. But it says here, in, and let me read that verse again. Now unto him. Now unto God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly of all that we ask or think. And it's according to the power. And that's the power of God. The energy of God that worketh in us. It's all about the power of God. But let's look at the context of that verse and we'll close. But let's look at the context of that verse. What he's talking about. That power and where it comes from. If we go back to Ephesians um, uh, verse 16. And look at this. That Paul says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That strength, that power is given to our inner man. Why? So God, and then God can work it out as we cooperate with him. Okay. Verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. The key is being rooted and grounded in not our love, but his love for us. If we can receive his love, or the more we receive his love, the more of an ability we're going to have to love. You know, we can try to love people, and we should. You know, we don't wait till we get some great feeling of, uh, oh, I so love that person. No, we don't wait for that. We we walk in the love of God. You know what I mean? And we do step out in that. But the reality is the real change comes as more and more we see his love for us. Amen. Have you, more and more, have you seen the love of God in your life? Hasn't life been better? Aren't you been happier? That's right. Okay. Rooted means to take, to cause to take root. He says to be uh, rooted and grounded in love, God's love for us. Rooted means the cause to take root. You look at a plant, vegetables, whatever, if it doesn't take root, it's not going to grow. A tree's not going to grow if it doesn't take root. See, we need to be rooted and grounded. We need to take root, allow this to take root, how much that he loves us. Grounded means to, to lay the foundation you know, if you want to, if you want to, you need a strong foundation. It's important to have a strong foundation if you want to have a house that is secure. Okay, you need a strong foundation. But we need, we need to have that foundation of God's love. And I mean rooted and grounded in love. Then he goes on, and we can really, once we get rooted and grounded in his love for us, then we can begin to understand some things, because he says in verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Boy, you know, so it's something we're learning. We're learning the love of Christ. We're learning it because it's the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of his love. There's so much love. He's got so much love. You know, we all in this place only know his love to some degree. You say, well, I know. Bible says that God so loved me. And he said there's no greater love than this that a man laid down his life 
for his friends. We know some things. But this know is to is is something deeper. In fact, the word know means to recognize, to perceive. To the dictionary for recognize is to know. And I, I liked what you had to say, uh, uh, Miss Audrey, about you know remembering. Remember about remembering to remember that. Well, that's what I had in my in my notes here. Okay, uh, to re- to recognize is to know and remember someone or something because of previous knowledge or experience. And how many times, how many times do we, you know, we don't remember when we're going through something and we forget about how much that God loves us with an unconditional love. We forget that. Okay. But he says this, you know, he says to know the love of Christ, this passes knowledge that they might be filled with the uh, fullness of God. You know, um, if you want to be filled with God, if you want the fullness of God to be filled with God, it's right there. The answer saying is to know his love. The more we know his love, the more we get filled with him. Well, how can that be? Well, the Bible says that God is love. The more we get filled with his love, the more we get filled with him. Again, our concentration is receiving his love for us, receiving his love for us. Because we can only give what we got. The more we got, the more we can give. The more money I have, the more money I can give. You know what I mean? I could be, you know, I could have, I could say, man, you know, Celeste, I'd love to give you, oh, I'd love to give you a hundred thousand dollars. But I can't, I don't have it. Okay. So, I mean, I could want, you know what I mean? And, you know, we could want to give a, a lot of love. And we do. I think most Christians want to be in a place. That, God, I want to love people. I really want to love people. I want to see people come to Christ. But, you know, and that's a good thing. But we got to have and know his love for us. Then we got something to give, you know. And then uh, and this finishes up with, the, uh, with verse uh, 20. That I read um, before, talking about, I told you in the context, it's the context of love. And at the end of that, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. See, when we know the love of God, it opens up the door. When, when you know somebody loves you, guess what? The more you know someone loves you, the more you can trust them, right? If you know someone loves you, you can trust them. If you don't think they they love you, you don't you don't have that that trust. Now unto him that is able to exceedingly abundantly be above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? <laughs>